You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody, welcome into the second episode of Half Street High Heat. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm your host, Amanda White. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. And I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Can you guys give your handles? Yeah, you can uh, give us a follow at DC Uh Great follow. Great for the brand. And uh, yeah, good times. And while you're at it, go follow Half Street High Heat on Twitter. We got the Twitter up and running. Um, pretty active some polls uh, confirming that Ryan and I are right in what we say so uh, yeah go give us a follow got it and while you're there you can follow at dmv underscore sn both on twitter and instagram that's the dmv sports network for whom we are doing this podcast Um, if you visit the site there's going to be daily content um, articles and podcasts and all things dc sports also college sports so once you're done listening here go check it out um, also, if you don't mind, we'd love for you to subscribe to our show, give us a review, follow us. You know, we really appreciate any feedback and interaction with our listeners. So let's get into it. Um, first thing we want to talk about is Bryce Harper still hasn't signed a contract. So let's give a quick little uh, rundown of his potential locations. Um, what are you guys feeling? There's been a lot of rumors the last 48 hours. Yeah, I mean, the rumors, it's... I mean, you don't really know what to believe. Anyone can pretty much say anything at this point, and it would just it would be as valid as like any of us saying anything, just because no no one really knows. I mean, we've never really had we never really had an off season like this, and I mean, we've never had a Bryce and Machado on like hit free agency at this age, and also like this far into the off season without being unsigned. It's just unheard of. So anything anyone says could be just as right as anything else 
Yeah. I mean, everyone everyone walks back every report they have, anyways. Yeah. Heyman tweeted something, and then an hour later it was walking. Yeah, I think it, it was less than an hour. Yeah, it, it, it it's, like it's Philly, absurd. And then well, Heyman's a joke, but. <laughs> I do yeah. have to say, though, all signs seem to be pointing Philly's way, and we have no idea how valid any of that is because nobody's giving sources or actually discussing why they think the things they think. Yeah. But uh, I've had a sinking feeling the last few days that I'm just waiting for the announcement of Harper to Philly, but I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, but... it's just if that happens, I or if Philly really is the 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 favorite i just don't see how the nats don't make a competitive offer to to prevent that yeah i i just i don't know how they let that happen i guess it depends especially if the report sorry go ahead the report that's 10 over 10 like if that's true i don't feel the nats don't match that i mean what's an extra million a year for what they already offer right but that's the thing i don't think that original offer's on the table anymore i mean the original offer of 300 for 10 years i mean what if after corbin and all the other signings they've made that that's not their offer anymore 310 might be considerably more than what they've got on the table now i I just i don't i i struggled to believe so i mean we kind of talked about that 10 or the 300 over 10 it was kind of just like we're throwing it out there if you accept it great if not then we're not going to lose sleep over it because it had no opt-outs I mean there was just zero chance he was ever going to take that deal and it was more Rizzo offering that deal to to like appease fans saying like why didn't you offer like that was just just to to cover cover his own butt that I mean he at least did something but yeah, to Ryan's point, why would you not just give a million more if that's like the counter offer, a million more per year? Yeah, why would you do yeah, that? Yeah, I can't that's imagine it's going to be that close. If it's close, I think the Nats will come in. But the question then becomes is where does Bryce want to go? Does he want to stay here for the same money or does he want to go to Philly? I mean, if it's here or Philly, it, it's here. No, no doubt about it. It's just, I mean, Philly will have to outbid. And they have the the spending power to do that. It's just what's the dollar amount that that like breaks that tie? Yeah, I don't know. And I hope there is. I hope that whatever it is, the learners come correct and and bring him back. But the other one people have been talking about is San Francisco. What do you guys think of that? I I don't really think that is a possibility. That's kind of just like the only reason why they he would go there is if he wanted to be close to Vegas. I mean, they have their team's old they only have a farm system and the rebuild's kind of just starting so Bryce going there would just be like a move to the fans and like hey look we just got Bryce Harper start coming to games again I just don't really think that would make any sense whatsoever but if he goes there I mean I would I'd be okay with it yeah it would bother me less than him going to Philly but I don't think it makes any sense for him I mean for one thing he's he's from Vegas where it's hot all the time and it's you know rainy and cold a lot in San Francisco I don't know that he'd like it he's not going to have his good numbers there as you have in Washington or Philly. Right. Yeah. I, it doesn't make any sense. And it sounds like they were offering a shorter term. So why would he go to a place he probably won't like as much and have worse numbers for less time? I don't know. Even with a higher AAV, I don't know that that makes any sense. Right. And I mean, plus they just signed Cameron Maven, which is like the perfect Bryce Harper replacement. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know why they would even still be interested, to be honest. Right, exactly. Um, it's like the no, Dodgers and Pollock. I mean, they've already got their <laughs> Bryce Harper. What do they need? Yeah, for? yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, I agree with you guys. It's It would be just a move so he could be closer to, like, his real home where he grew up, which, yeah, it, w- it would bother me less. Obviously, we would miss him here. But, it, 
I just, I mean, for for all the factors involved, the the shorter deal, regardless of the AAV, um, I just don't see it as a legitimate threat. I think they were kind of just like testing the waters and seeing if he would take uh, a shorter deal because that's all they would be comfortable giving, considering they're about to go through a huge rebuild. Um, but it doesn't seem like he has any desire to sign just a, a two or three year deal. So I, I don't see them um, stealing him away. Yeah. They don't seem like a real contender. And that no. just leaves, that just leaves Washington. What do you guys think is the, the chances of him coming here and how will you feel if we I get mean, him back? Ecstatic. I, I don't see how we would be anything less than world series favorites. I know that's haunted us before, but I mean, I, I would argue on paper and talent-wise, we're the best team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if he comes back, this is the best team they've ever had. And it's really not that close either. Um, and, like, just everything would be great. You know, the lineup would be able to protect the bullpen. The pitching would be there. And, like, with the depth they have, this would probably be like, oh, hey, this is finally the year. Or maybe they'll finally win the playoff series in five years. So I would be <laughs> pretty hyped if he came back. Yeah. yeah, I'll be excited too. Although, I, again, you know, with the caveat everybody has, which is they've got to get a deal done with Rendon. You can't let what happens with Harper or doesn't happen with Harper can't affect Rendon. I think he's the biggest. He's the biggest thing they need to be focused on going into this season, as far as getting him signed to an extension. I mean, yeah, but that that's almost a and you you let future Rizzo and future learners worry about that. Right now, it's if we can get Bryce back, we get Bryce back. Yeah. I and mean, what do you guys that, feel about if he, if he doesn't resign? How do you feel about World Series chances in the immediate future and just the team's <clears throat> direction in general? I I touched on this on Twitter a little bit. I think if he goes to Philly, Nats are positioned in the third or fourth best team in the division. Um, I think with that lineup Philly would have, and they would probably add a pitcher after that, Philly and Orlando would be the best teams in the division. And then if the Mets rotation's healthy, I mean – Last time the rotation was healthy, they went to the World Series. So that their team will go as far as rotation goes. So I, I don't know, my outlook would be pretty grim if if Bryce goes to Philly. Yeah, it's just going to be a all out dogfight in in the NL East. If especially if he goes to Philly, if he goes to San Fran, I mean, we're probably thir- like Philly's probably still below us. Um, but I mean, they can still steal some games from anyone above them. They they still have the potential to do that with that staff and some of the bats yeah. in their lineup. So they're not to be taken lightly like the Marlins. Um, and like Ryan said, the last time the Mets were healthy with their pitching staff, I mean, they went to the World Series. Um, not it's that it's true, but that's a pretty big if that's right. Right. I mean, it's the same healthy. thing. It's the same thing with the Nats. If if their rotation stayed healthy, then who knows what could happen. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's, it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a long season, a lot of back and forth. Um, I can't wait for the, the Braves, Mets and Phillies fans to just always have something to say on Twitter just because their team's like three games back or whatever, three games up. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it, it's going to come down to like the last week of September, um, yeah. if and Bryce the doesn't resign. The deadline's going to be extreme. And you think if yeah. Bryce resigns that that's that different, that the Nats run away with the NLEs or they're at least on top? I don't know if it's a runaway, but it definitely makes them the favorite. Um, and it, I mean, if you think about it, we would have the same team as last year, except we would improve pitching staff. Uh, I mean, improved bullpen from like the opening day on. And then, I mean, fill second base and then we get a full year Soto. 
I mean, and catchers. I, and, and catchers. I mean, we're, we're better all around. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just a more consistent team. So I don't think it's a runaway because I still think the Braves, Mets, and, uh, and Phillies will have competitive teams. But, I mean, we, there's no way we can't be the favorite if he resigns. I hear you. I'm not quite as low on the Nats' chances if Bryce doesn't come back. I think it's really going to come down to what we get out of Soto and Robles this year because if there's no Bryce, we're going to see a lot of Robles. Right. And, uh, it remains to be seen. We just don't have a big enough sample size to know what Robles is going to be at the big league level. Yeah. Um, but and we, you know, we but then we have less outfield depth too. I mean, might we know what we have in Michael A. Taylor? We talked about that last. <laughs> Not week. much. So, <laughs> yeah, and of course, you know, everything always depends on injuries. But uh, I definitely hope we get Bryce back. I think the team is undoubtedly better with him than without him. But I'm not quite so low on their chances. I think they've made a lot of other improvements this yeah. year. I'm a little worried about the bullpen. I like the where the rotation is going into the season. So I, I think there's a lot of good things happening for the Nats. I'm real excited about seeing Gomes and Suzuki um, both get to play less than, you know, they would normally if they were just a starter. And I think that's mm-hmm. going to be a real benefit to the team. So, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm just down because one, I don't want to get my hopes up just because we have had one of the best off seasons um, that we've ever had. But also I just, I think it's hard to expect Soto to do what he did last year. I think it's hard to expect him to stay healthy. And then, I mean, I have no problem with the rotation being our, our biggest strength, but it's just such a dangerous game to play as, as we've seen. Yeah. So it, it's, there's, there's just so much that could go wrong, but if you have Bryce, there's that overall security blanket. So. Well, I guess hopefully by this time next week when we record, we'll know where the hell he is. Yeah, exactly. I, I couldn't imagine last week that we wouldn't know by now, and I can't imagine now that we won't know by then, but we'll see. Yep. All right, so let's move on. Talk about some roster battles. Um, if Bryce comes back, you know, we've got Robles, who, as we talked about last week, is still young, and, you know, maybe he could use a little more time down in AAA. Mm-hmm. But then the other option is Taylor. So given that battle, where do you guys fall on that? Would you rather have <laughs> Robles up as the fourth outfielder or send him down and keep Taylor? So, I mean, this is assuming Bryce resigns. Right. Because I, th- I think if Bryce doesn't resign, you one, you can keep probably both of them. Um, and then you can just like platoon them, if anything, because you'll want Robles's upside. But if Bryce does resign... <sighs> I mean, I would personally go Robles because I think a spark on the off the bench is nice to have. Um, but they're, um, I mean, right now they're pretty similar in what they give you: uh, good glove, speed off the bench, and whatnot. Um, it just depends on how much or how ready you think Robles is. Yeah, agreed. Um, I th- I think regardless what happens with Bryce, Robles is going to be the starter. Um, they've held on to this guy for a long time, especially with some very good people they could have traded him for. Um, I think that he's going to be as ready as he will ever be. Um, I think they're going to put him out there and have him either be starting or the fourth outfielder um, and just try to figure out what they got in the future, make sure they made the right decision holding on to him. I don't really see how any way that Michael Taylor would make the roster or start over him. We already know we're going to get to him. Like, the dude can't hit. Um, and he's just all he has is a glove. So I think they're going to want to see what they have in Robles and put him out there yeah. as much as they can. So you think he starts opening day? Um, if Bryce resigns, I fully expect that to be get tra- uh, traded. And then if he doesn't uh, sign, I fully expect 
uh, Robles to be starting Sarah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that they're going to, hmm. I don't think they're going to start Taylor in, in, in the outfield on opening day. I think they're going to roll with Robles if there's no Bryce. Yeah, I mean, if there is Bryce, I think they trade him. I think they'll. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I would love that to happen. It's just, uh, I'm going off past decisions and I just, I think they make the wrong one and, and start Matt. But that's not what I would do. I just, I think that's what ends up happening, unfortunately. He was the he was the starting center fielder last year. Everyone forgets that. The dude had his chances, and he was so bad. He lost his job to a 19-year-old who never played above double-A. Oh, uh, you don't have to I tell think, me twice. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> I think that they, they realize that, and I think because of that, Robles is going to be the guy that they're going to go with. Yeah, and I'm surprised, frankly, that Taylor got the same chances he got last year. Uh, last year, he yeah. got the same ones he had the year before that. Last year, Dusty was here. I remember a media report early in the season with Dusty telling him, like, you know, this is this you is need it. to make the most of yeah. your opportunities because you're not going to get you're not going to get a lot more of them. And he got a whole nother year's worth. Yeah. Before Soto came up and and took the job. So. Yeah, people just remember those like two or three. I mean, granted, they're pretty cool moments, but they remember those two or three moments that Matt had, like the home run in the playoffs or mm-hmm. like some sort of web gem in center field. And they think like he's this amazing player. And then they come out with the argument, oh, well, if he got consistent at bats, like Ryan said, he was the starter last year. He yeah. did get consistent at he had bats. He was awful. three at bats yet last year. And he yeah, had like 227. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the, the dude has had plenty of chances. What you see is what you get with him. So, I mean, there's nothing hidden in him anymore. You would rather see what Robles can provide you. Yeah, that, so that'll be an interesting one to watch to see if Bryce doesn't re-sign what, what the Nats do with Robles and Taylor. So that, that's an interesting uh, roster battle. And, you know, we'll see what they do in spring training, too. If uh, right, yeah. Taylor has a really great spring training, that probably changes this a little bit. Where if yeah, Robles... which is, a, of course, it's probably what's going to happen because, right. of course. Because, of course. And if Robles yeah. has a great spring training, it's going to be really hard for them to send, you know, to, to keep him on the bench if he's, if he's hitting. Okay, so let's talk bullpen battles. What do you guys see as bullpen battles coming uh, up? Honestly, the bullpen I don't think is that good. Um, we can pencil – well, we can Sharpie and Doolittle, Rosenthal, Grace, Glover, and Bearclaw. Um, and then for the final two spots, it's going to be Solis, Suero, Miller, uh, Ross, and uh, Vidal Nuno. However you say his name, I apologize for that. <laughs> um, I just – none of those guys are that good. No. Like everyone, everyone's either coming off a terrible season or major injury concerns. I mean, Bearclaw's second half was – atrocious he had like a 14 era and like a two whip you'll know how uh, rosenthal is going to be glover can't stay healthy to save his life no he's and had a lot he... of injuries for such a young yeah. guy and then if matt grace is your best lefty that's an issue yeah and, and i've seen have... about enough of solis you know i just oh my god yeah dude it's not good they don't have a lot of lefty options though i mean Doolittle, and... obviously but he's like you said he's in sharpie but yeah, I mean, and Solis is going to make the roster just because he's out of options, yeah. which I think can be a massive mistake. Like, he can't, he can't get lefties out. Like, that's that's the equivalent to a kicker who can't make a field goal. He's useless. Yeah, what do you need a lefty reliever who can't get out lefties? Yeah, like, the dude, he's terrible. And people are going to talk about, oh, he was overused. He only threw, like, 39 innings last year, and that wasn't even the most he's ever thrown. And so, I mean, he just wasn't good. Like, the guy, like, he's had numerous chances. He's been through for four years. He's only had one decent season in his career. So I want nothing to do with him. I'd much rather than try to bring in the lefty. Um, but I know he's going to be the sixth guy. It's just going to be interesting to see if they go Ross out of Longman 
or if they uh, try to strike gold again with Miller. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah Ross is going to be the long guy if I had to make a prediction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think with his innings limit after the surgery, although he's pretty far past that Tommy John now. I, I think I think Ross would be really good in the bullpen. I mean, he only has two pitches, and people like that, they're going to be good for one or two innings. Just have him go in the bullpen, throw as hard as he can. And, like, with the stuff he has when he's healthy, I think that can really translate over. And I think that's something that could be done very well. I just hope the Nats do it. And I just think it would be such a big mistake if the Nats send him down to AAA with Fetty. Yeah, I don't – I didn't hear if you mentioned him, but I think Wander Suero has a good uh... – good chance to make the roster too um i mean he was pretty good last year i think with the bullpen you kind of just have to go upside because you don't really have many safe bets um, right so it just and plus i mean the options you already saw trevor got shipped out of town because he was out of options so i mean if solis is on the the in the the program Come the end of spring training, yeah, it's a pretty safe bet he's going to make the roster. Yeah, I mean, and Suero has two options left. So yeah, I think they're going to use another one of those. Probably, unfortunately, I don't think it's the right move. But they just yeah. have so many flyers; they don't have safe bets that if that's if that's the, the the options you have for those final two spots, I go upside at that point. So yeah, I would go Ross with the long man and then Suero because he's shown some stuff in his time last year. Do you think they might go out and get anybody else? Especially what if Bryce doesn't sign if he goes somewhere else and they've, you know, so they're sitting on this money that they might've been willing to spend on Bryce. Maybe they go out and get him, get him, get themselves a good reliever. I mean, that that's, that's a question to pose. If they don't get Bryce, do they just pony up for Craig Kimbrell? And yeah, then I the one I had and, in mind. <laughs> and then Doolittle is more flexible to be that lefty specialist. If you need him in the sixth, seventh or eighth. Which I mean, he's done before, and he's a he's a team guy, so he's not going to throw a fit over not being the closer, yeah, even I though he's he more than him. capable. And then you've got it, and then you've got him and Rosenthal. Can you imagine Rosenthal, Kimbrell, and Doolittle as options to close? I mean, just yeah. depending on the situation and who's been overused, you've got really good. Yeah, yeah, and then, I mean, perfect world. Your your any of your starters get you six, seven, maybe even eight innings a game. So, I mean, at that point, if you have Rosenthal, Doolittle, and Kimbrell. I mean, you don't really need to worry about the, the anyone else. I haven't really heard no. what Kimbrell's looking for as far as, as AAV, and I wonder or what kind he, of deal he's looking for. He was originally looking for, like, close to $100 million in six years because he wanted to beat Chapman in uh, Jansen's deal. Um, but just the way the market has gone, that's not happening. Um, I think he probably wants to be around $20 million, which for a guy like Kimbrell, throw him like six uh three years 60 million that's not a bad contract at no all. and if they don't sign bryce i think that you know it, it would make sense to go out and do something else that bullpen is is weak i'm not feeling right good. yeah why not just shore up bullpen. yeah i mean statistically he's at this point in his career if you compare him to marion rivera he's a better closer than marion rivera yeah so i mean yeah, you could do a lot worse than yeah, just he's spending got a that money. Yeah, one career ERA. I mean, the guys. Yeah, I mean, and people are saying last year was a down year for him. He had 42 saves in the whip below one, and his ERA was 2.7. And people said that was a down year for him. Yeah, that's an yeah. elite year for most. And, yeah, people... no, that might be a down year for him, but in the grand scheme of things, that's a damn good year for a reliever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sammy Solis would like give up his entire salary just to have a year like that. So. Yeah, it would take more than that because that'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I would love them to just be like, okay, 
like so long, Bryce. But I mean, we still have work to do. Re- reallocate that money. Just go get Kimbrel. Yeah, I mean, you have a you would have a closer who's finished top ten the Cy Young Award five times in his career. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I it's hard to argue with that. <laughs> so going on to another potential roster battle here. How about uh, Keyboom versus Defoe? Yeah, I threw this one in there just because I was trying to think of potential battles we might see. I mean, I don't, I don't know how. I, if Bryce resigns, I don't. Again, I don't think there's the need to see Keyboom. You just let him develop. And plus, you have Dozier, you have Kendrick to fill in at second, which is kind of where Keyboom projects to to end up once he makes it to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. But if he has one of those amazing spring trainings, why not just give him a spot over Defoe? Yeah, I'm a, um, I'm, I'm over Defoe. I, I don't feel like I like much like Michael A. Taylor. I think we've seen what Defoe is and what he has. I mean, I'm I hate Defoe. I I think <laughs> Defoe is absolutely terrible. Like, I I won't shy away from that. But I think Defoe's going to be up there for the majority of the year. Maybe July, August, we might see something else. I just think for the sake of his like uh, service time clock, they're going to try to keep him down as long as they can. Just Probably so get an extra arbitration year. Yeah, yeah, which I hate the way that all works. Which would be a good uh, segue into our next <laughs> segment. That works great. So um, there's been, of course, a lot of talk about labor issues. Um, And I know for a lot of fans, this is kind of, you know, pardon the pun, inside baseball stuff. But, um, you know, there there is a lot going on right now with how slow the last several off seasons have been for free agent signings and, uh, you know, the way that people are deciding whether to go to arbitration or sign extensions that give up their arbitration eligible years Mm -hmm. and that whole thing. So do you guys have any um, particular thoughts on that situation going forward well i know ryan has a, a ryan rant to prepare or to, <laughs> to 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 share with with everyone so i'll go first on this one it, it really just comes down to the owners versus players and that's why like last week ryan said we're we're on the midnight train to a lockout just because there's so much wrong with the current cba and you just it's not one of those things where everything just magically gets fixed on like the first time around it's going to take some strong opposition from the players to show the owners that they're serious and they want what they want. They want what they deserve. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many problems from free agency to the game rules to whatever it may be um, that have to be addressed. And the only way the players can do that is if they strike. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I hate it, but I, I understand it. I mean, it's what the players are going to have to do. Um, the owners are cheap. They don't want to pay up their billionaire owners and I, I can't stand the people who sympathize with the owners they're like they think the luxury tax is like some evil thing that is really going to hurt our team no the owners have the money it's just like it's a, a de facto salary cap it, it doesn't mean anything people go or teams go over the luxury tax every single year it, yeah. it doesn't hurt you at all and i mean I think the worst penalty is that your like draft pick gets moved back 10 spots. I mean, how often do you see draft picks pan out in the MLB anyways? And if they do, it takes three to five years anyways. So you don't see the benefits of that draft pick right away anyways. So you might as well go and spend on a surefire player like a Bryce, like a Kimbrell, whoever it may be, while you can. So I don't understand why people are actually on the owner's side and well i don't know that it's as simple from my perspective as just owners versus players although for the sake of playing devil's advocate here 
I would say for, if you look at what, you know, this is baseball's a business. People say it all the time about free agency. Like, right. Yeah. They love their city. They love the fans here, but baseball's a business. So we all know baseball's a business. Look at a team like the A's who won 97 games last year. They had 18 guys playing at the league minimum and they, they won 97 games. See, they... you know, so you're looking at from the, from the perspective of a businessman who owns the team, why are you going to go out and spend a whole lot more money than you need to spend to get, similar results and i understand the player's perspective which is they're making more money than ever and they should be spending it on players but as long as there's no salary cap it's very hard to say you have to spend a minimum amount if there's also no maximum amount and i would hate to see a salary cap in baseball right i feel i feel like maybe the answer and we talked about this a little last week is to have some sort of a minimum not a dollar figure minimum but some sort of a minimum amount of the revenues that come into the team's have to be spent on player salaries right? and then let the teams decide how to break that up. But I I don't think it's so simple as bad guy, billionaire owners versus, you know, woe is me. The players aren't getting what they deserve that there's some of that, but it's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, it is. um, But I I do think it's the bad guy owners before, uh, like against the players. I I think the players are really getting shortchanged here, both in their contracts and like, what they are and aren't allowed to do just based on the CBA. So that's why I think there's going to be a lockout. And just one more thing. I mean, I think the A's are an outlier. I mean, how often do you really see a season like that? Sure. Uh, and, and plus, I mean, if, if they have outliers too, and everybody always tries to copy them, if I know, but if owner you... sees that you can do it, then they're going to try to do it. If the A's had that, that big splash in the off season, maybe they would have actually gone farther than the wild card game. Like it was yeah. a great season. It was a great Great story, story, but yeah, right? it was nothing, and um, no one's really expecting them to do that again. They're yeah, an out, they're an outlier that they're not the example. You're letting the the union off the hook here a little bit, though. I mean, this is the deal that the players signed. The owners have obviously worked it to their advantage, but this is the deal. I mean, these are they're within the rules of the current CBA. So certainly, I don't like the current CBA. I think there are a lot of things that need to be changed, but I don't think it's so simple as that i mean they are working within the cba and this is what the players and the union signed up for well it's just one reason why there's going to be a lockout come 2020 yeah i agree with you i think there probably will be unless there's some significant give from the owners who are who are definitely having the upper hand yeah, right now. which but there won't I be just, i just think it's not so simple yeah. as, as the owners versus players see i i think it is that simple and you like kind of touch on the a's the reason why the a's won so many games is because six of the top eight draft uh like draft picks for this year were American League teams because American League was terrible and they just beat up on them the entire year because all those teams were awful. And like to me, the most annoying people in the world are people who sympathize with the owners. Yep. It will be owners literally went to Congress and lobbied for them to pass this act that made minor league baseball players seasonal employees. Yeah, that's the worst thing is the minor league stuff. I'd rather see them address that. I'd like to see them address everything, that's... but if they had to pick, I'd rather see them address the minor league stuff. Yeah, I, I think it will. It's just, it's not like a national storyline like the free agency problems. And but... so now, now we're kind of seeing that in the major leagues. Owners realize that they cannot spend money and people are still going to come out. And so all of them have these weird analytical things that determine the player's worth. Like Mark Reynolds literally said that he had nobody call him, and then on one day he had four teams offer him the same contract and all said the same thing, which is kind of pretty suspicious to me. But it's just Bryce and Manny are now in a position where they can expose all the issues, which the reason why this is getting so much attention is because mm-hmm. they know the longer they go, the more attention it's going to get, the more the players are going to get upset, and that they can afford to do this because they're going to get signed eventually. The smaller right. guys like last year, 
because everyone's like, oh, they're just waiting for Bryce and Manny while Boris cried collusion. Everyone laughed. And all these guys had to take terrible offers. But when you're 26 years old and you're the face of baseball, you can do this because you know, A, someone's going to sign you. B, the more attention it's going to get. Like we're seeing football podcasts, football writers commenting on it. And this is a huge threat to the sport. And like, man, I've heard people talk about all these issues, but the owners are what's killing the sport. And it's a terrible thing that if you're not going to have these guys pay up to get signed just because they realize that, oh, hey, we're, we're going to use a luxury cap as an excuse because we realize if we don't spend money, people are still going to come out. And the CBA yeah. is terrible, but I just that's, that's the thing. Awesome. This this attention that's being paid is going to make it a lot easier for the for the players to negotiate a better CBA the next time around. Yep. Right. And I'd love to see that. I just also I just like I said, I feel I'm very much a free market person. I don't, I let the market work itself out. If it goes to a lockout, I'd hate to lose out on a baseball season. Mm-hmm. But if that's what it's going to take to recalibrate things the way they need to be, then I'm fine with that. I- but. You know, I, I just feel like w- w- both sides are looking out for their own interests, mm-hmm. and I don't hate either side for doing what's best for their side. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you guys saw what Yasmani Grandal said, but there's the reports early in the offseason that he turned down the, the four-year, $60 million deal from the Mets, and then he ultimately ended up signing a, a one-year, like, basically qualifying offer with the Brewers. Um, and basically, when he was asked about it, he didn't really confirm that there ever was that four four for 60 offer. But what he said was that, I mean, he, he needed to keep the line moving for the guys behind him who were looking for deals. If he takes a shorter deal with a lower AV, that just ruins it for guys behind him. So mm-hmm. you like, you both, touch, you both touched on it with Bryce and Machado. They're the ones that can afford to do this because they know they're going to get paid yeah. and they know they're going to, like and play they're doing this a year. big favor to the to the players as a whole, mm. I think, by by bringing so much attention to this issue. Right. But you know, this is this has been going on for years. I think back to the year that Ian Desmond went to free agency and he turned down the qualifying offer from the Nats, which was I don't remember sixteen million or something like that, which seemed incredibly low for a guy with his with his resume. And then he wound up having to sign a five million dollar deal with the I think it was the Rangers after camp had started. Mm-hmm. So like this has been going on now for a while. Yeah, I mean. I, I get the point. Uh, I think Desmond's not the best uh, example to use because you look at him now and he literally doesn't have a position in the field because he's just so bad everywhere. And I think <laughs> yeah. team teams but were at the time that wasn't the case. No, right. it, yeah. it was. I mean, no, I think it was. But no, I, I get your point because I mean he he signed into camp like a one year deal with the Rangers and then had a, a really good All Star campaign as a center fielder of all things and then ended up signing again. And yeah, that was just people thought, oh, it was Desmond. It's not like a, a Harper or Machado now, and they right. didn't really pay any any attention to it. But now we're really seeing what started back then, and probably even before that. But you know, this is a good comp, I think. I I work in real estate in my real in my real life job, and I'll tell you one of the things I have to tell people all the time is what somebody else paid for something or what they got, you know, what they put, bought it for or sold it for is irrelevant to what the market is now. And I think part of this is the CBA, but part of it is just the owners have decided that they're not going to pay these outrageously long-term high AAV contracts anymore. And the market just isn't what it was. And just because somebody five years ago got paid some amount, that doesn't mean that you're entitled to get paid that amount now. Now, I think they're entitled to more than what they're getting, but I I don't know that we're ever going to see these huge 13, 15-year deals, you know, where where the teams are taking on this kind of this kind of risk of the back ends of those deals being 
you know, terrible years for the, for the player. So I just think the market is changing and some of it is the CBA and some of it is just the market. And I, I think it's not going to maybe go back to what it was before. Yes. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think it's that simple. I think that's part of it, but I mean, you see guys who are still have plenty of value and they're, they're signing like minor league deals and they're, yeah. they're getting money. That's like, chump change compared to what they deserve and but what they've earned this is skewed because of machado and harper not having signed it i feel like if they had signed deals in <laughs> december that the rest of the market might have shaken out differently this year but, i feel like them being out there unsigned and you know p- names like keichel and kimbrell and these big names being unsigned is is filtering down to the, the smaller names i mean well keichel, I, yeah. keichel hasn't had a, a market all off season kimbrell's market fared out in late november so would it have them because even if they signed, we would have the same problem we had last year with all these guys going late as they can just because they're not getting the offers they want. And owners are just trying to wait them out so they get desperate and sign dirt. I'd love the new CBA to include a, a deadline date for free agency. Just say free agency has to be signed I think... by X date and that's it. And after that, you can't sign guys. And then that puts pressure on the teams to say – we need to figure out who we want and sign up. But I, I, th- I think that hurts the players. Yeah. I, I think the owners will still just push up right up to the deadline. And it, it's the, the players are the ones without the jobs. The players are the ones without the money. So I think that ends up hurting the players more because the owners are just going to push them right to the deadline. And the players are still going to end up taking a deal that is less than what they deserve. If anything, Maybe they're so, off- but they might at least get a deal right now. We're going into spring training. And well, I think a hundred some odd guys that don't have a deal at all. I think a lot of them will end up getting deals, but it's just it's they're, not how it should happen. They're not so going to think anywhere it near their worth for especially right. when the leagues bring in eleven billion dollars in revenue and the owners are just pocketing everything. I just feel like if there's guys in camp right now and they start camp and there's guys who are fringe guys, the big name guys are going to get deals, of course. But for the fringe players, the ones who may or may not have gotten a deal, I think that going into spring training without one makes it a lot more likely you're not going to get one because they've already got other people in in camp and they're just going to be like, why bother? Yeah, it's. I, I mean, just we've said it all, all, all show. I mean, there's going to be a lockout just because there's so much going on. And I, I mean, another thing is the, the arbitration. I mean, we're seeing guys sign for less than what they would get in arbitration just because they want that security because they know they're not going to get paid. Yeah, because the market. Well, so let's so talk crap. a little bit about Nola and Severino, who both did that this week. Mm-hmm. What is your take on? So on those two deals. Severino's was very interesting because he came out and said that he wanted his deal to be front-loaded because he knows there's going to be a lockout and he wants to get paid before that. But the Yankees didn't budge and they had it back back-loaded. So I think that's just – both of them were just players reading the market, seeing how saturated it is, and going, I'm going to get a couple more years of security and hope after the new CBA things change so that they can cash out. And that's going to be a trend that we're going to see because we keep talking about strikes and lockouts. And all the younger guys are seeing that, and they're scared because their salary is like isn't made up until late until the season, anyways, so like February and stuff. And they don't know what they're going to get. So if those guys are arbitration during lockout, they're not getting paid. So a lot yeah. of these guys are going to do that, taking very very team friendly deals just so that they can protect themselves in the case of a lockout. Yeah, and that's true to some extent. Although I think with the like with Severino, I mean, I think he only gave up one year. His he bought out his, you know, he signed over his arbitration eligible years, but it only went one year into his free agency eligible year. So basically, he's got the security of I think it's a four year deal that he signed, and it might be a little less than what he would have made in those arbitration years if he performed well and made the maximum he could have in arbitration. But you never know what might happen if you might get injured, and he's really only delaying his free agency by one year. 
So for me, that deal just is kind of a no brainer for him. Why wouldn't you take that? See, I, I, I see both sides. I'm literally right smack dab in the middle when it comes to this argument. Cause I think for Anola and Severino, it was a bad idea to do it. Like I get um, like Sean Doolittle was a very outspoken on this. Um, Cause someone kind of called him out for, for talking about his because Sean Doolittle signed a, a deal that uh, kind of got he's, rid of his and arbitration he's too. Underpaid because of it, yeah. Right. And yeah, exactly. And that's why it's such a team friendly deal, but he had a good point that he did it for the security and Doolittle wasn't as touted of a, a Nola and Severino. Like he never had a season like they have. So Doolittle literally needed it for a security because at the time he was a fringe player. So for those fringe players, yeah, it makes sense to buy out your arbitration years because I mean, as we saw in Doolittle's case, he got hurt the next year, and then he got hurt the next year after that. So for he needed the security. Nola and Severino don't. They're going to get paid, even if they get hurt. Someone's going to take a chance on them but because because of their has young. Their own risk has their own, you know, how much risk they feel comfortable taking on. If what right. they want is security, and what they want is to say, I'm okay if I make. 15 million less on this deal than I would have if I had gone to arbitration the next three years, you know, but I get a four year deal and I'm only delaying my free agency by one or two years. You know, I don't know that that's a bad deal for the players and you know, you are taking a risk. What if you don't perform? What if you do get hurt and you're not on a, you're, you're still in an arbitration eligible year. You may not get paid more. I mean, I get that. Like every one is entitled to a contract in a situation that they're comfortable with. But, I mean, you look at Tanner Roark. He, he's in the last year of his arbitration eligible, um, like, 10-year. And he still got $10 million this year. And he had a terrible year last year. So, you look at Nola and Severino. They're getting $10 million for the next four, maybe five years if their teams pick up their options. So, like... I mean, if they had just gone through arbitration, they would have gotten paid a lot more money. If they were healthy and if they performed as they have in the past. I mean, but Roark had a terrible year last year and he still got $10 million. And yeah. so, and I mean. Every player situation is different. But I, I just right. think, it, you know, you see players like, like, look what happened to Matt Harvey. Like, you see players for whom not taking an extension does not work out. I mean, well. Matt Harvey still got $20 million this offseason. Right. I can't believe anybody <laughs> paid him that, but. But my point is, you know, he did have years where, you know, he could have made more if he had, he could have taken an extension when he was, you know, when he was considered one of the top up and coming pitchers and probably made a lot more than having just gone to arbitration. Do you know what I mean? So it, you can see for different players, the situation can play out really differently. So for some guys who was it? somebody was saying this week, they only were going to take one year deals. They were never going to do anything. Other Trevor than Bauer, Trevor Bauer. You know, and for some guys, they have that kind of risk tolerance and they're able to bet on themselves and they want to do it. And for some guys, they want the security of signing an extension, even if it's a, it means they're going to make less money. You know, 40 million bucks might just be enough for one guy. Say, if I could have made 55, but I only made 40, I'm OK with that because I know I've got a job for the next four years. Right. And I mean, one reason I am in the center, in the middle of the argument is just because if you look at it from the other perspective Granted, it, it's sympathizing with the owners. I mean, when like people need to understand arbitration, it can go to court. Like it can literally be a legal battle. So, I mean, everything is going to come out and everything's going to get put on the table. And we saw a couple of years ago, Marcus Stroman with um, the Blue Jays. I mean, they said some pretty, I mean, we don't know what they said, but he was outspoken he, and said, he they, was pretty pissed about it. yeah, he was mad about what the blue Jays said about him and what their real opinions was 
what of him were yeah the players value and that's exactly about arbitration is if you want to have a good relationship going forward with the opportunity to sign a player to a deal going to arbitration is a bad idea yeah i mean it's it's a dangerous game to play on both sides so i think buying out your arbitration years is better for like the middle of the pack player but for people like nola and severina i I still think it's a bad idea because i mean what what are the Phillies going to say about Noah? Oh, you haven't won a Cy Young. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's... but you never know. Some what was who was it who was saying there was like character assassination and they were Trevor saying, was, yeah, yeah, that was, was that also, him too? yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so you know, for him, you know, that left a very sour taste in his mouth. He's you know, he never wanted to play for, the, for them again. Well, Trevor and... Bauer is a, a hothead in general. I mean, yeah, he, he literally bullied like a 12 year old girl on Twitter, so <laughs> so yeah, so you do have some, you do have some things you could say about that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So. Well, all right, let's let's move on from that. Um, we one more thing in this to talk about. How about what do you think if the Nats do re-sign Bryce? What do you think that contract is going to look like, and what impact do you think that might have on Rendon? So I just a lot of people don't understand this. If the Nats re-sign Bryce, it has zero impact on Anthony Rendon. Those two are completely mutually exclusive, and they have the money to do both. Um, and any contract Bryce is going to be signed, it's going to be heavily deferred, and he's going to have multiple opt-outs anyways. And Rendon isn't going to get the money he asked for. He went like 160 or 70. No shot he gets close to that. And people don't really understand that. And so I think Bryce will get 10 years, 310, with like opt-outs, have like 3-5 and probably a seventh year. And so I just – the amount of people don't understand that billionaires and the Nats essentially can do both really bothers me. Yeah, and it also bothers me. I mean, it doesn't matter now because the Nats have already signed Corbin, Dozier, et cetera. Yeah, but it bothers me the people who say, "Oh, if we had signed Bryce, we wouldn't have made any other moves." Rizzo has said all offseason that like one move doesn't impact the other. Yeah, like Corbin doesn't mean they were out of the Bryce argument and vice versa. So I I really believe that signing Bryce doesn't mean the end for Rendon. Like they are fully aware of how important Rendon is to the team and what it's going to take to re-sign him. So just because we get Bryce back doesn't mean Rendon's gone. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that, and I think that Rendon deserves a big contract. I hope they, I hope they sign him to something that's going to keep him here for his career. I think he's, you know, just he's so quiet and he doesn't get nearly the recognition that he deserves. But he is I mean, one of he the, was number twenty-one on the the MLB. Yeah, but that was surprising to me because normally people overlook him. I mean, the guy's never been an All Star for God's sake. He's one of the best third basemen in baseball and has been for years. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, the All-Star is a popularity vote, so the fact that, I mean... He's not on social media. And he's yeah, exactly. He He's not that flashy guy. He's not made for the limelight. He just wants to do his work, and, I mean, we love that. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Uh, I agree. He, he doesn't get the rec- recognition he deserves, um, but I don't think... He's definitely not going to get seven for 160 no. like, like he's reported to, no, but I to have wanted to figure out a way i don't want him to hit free agency i want them to try to figure whether regardless of what happens with Bryce, do you know who his agent is i do know who his agent is <laughs> <laughs> i do know who his agent is they, they can't get off the phone with scott boris yeah i will throw out there that come next season he will be 30 so yeah there, that's that dangerous number that you play with with a long-term deal so as soon as i mean 30 teams have if they can get a deals. if they can get a reasonable aav for him i would be perfectly happy he is he's got some injury history but the guy's a workhorse I'd be I, happy. I mean i agree but it's 
anything can happen when you hit 30. You you literally don't know. So the Nats might just switch gears and go cheap and, and not decide to, to give him anything close to a fair offer. I mean, it, there that is a there there also. is a, a possibility that that could happen. Yeah, I suppose there is. So time will tell on that one. Yeah. All right, before we go on to our next topic, I just want to stop for a minute and tell all of you guys who are listening here about the library of podcasts from the DMV Sports Network. There are nine active shows right now, um, team shows for the Redskins, Caps, Nats, Wizards, and Ravens, also Fantasy Fever, um, dealing with fantasy football, and a pair of shows that cover multiple topics, um, the It's About Time DC show and the Dom and Thunder show. And finally, a debate show called DMV Dispute, which is available via live stream on Twitter. Um, all these shows are available wherever you get your podcasts, so please check them out when you're done listening to us. And if you like our show or any others, please leave a review and subscribe on whatever platform you use. Okay, let's move on. Talk about that. We just briefly brought up the MLB Top 100. Um, we have some few players on there, Rendon, Turner, and Soto. Um, so let's go back into Rendon a little bit since we were just talking about him. Um, how good really is Rendon? He came in at number 21 on that list. Do you guys think that's a fair number for him? Yeah, I was, I mean, I was surprised that he was that high, not that he doesn't deserve it. It was just like, wow, is he really the 21st best player in the MLB? And like, I thought about it and just from a third base perspective, I mean, you have your top tier guys like Arenado, Bregman, um, Jose Ramirez, and I don't think he's that good, but he's like, he's probably the top of that next tier. Um, so if you're looking towards the future, like we said, he's going to be 30 next year, but he, I mean, he still has valuable years left. So let's say Bryce doesn't resign. He's, he's the new, the new guy that that's rally around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Um, I only put too much stock into the top 100 because the entire That's thing is made for TV. Like, if you watch that, like, whenever they did the rankings, all the first basemen were together. All the, sh- uh, the shortstops were together. The pitchers were together. And they were kind of just going with it and putting the guys together who everyone's talking about. Um, but I think I think he's pretty accurately ranked. I was surprised. Um, I feel like Nats fans overrate him a little bit. But I think nationally he's right. That's right where he probably should go. I mean, he's not going to, like, change the game, but he's just going to consistently perform day in and day out. And I think 21 was pretty solid for him. Okay, yeah, I agree. I mean, he. I'm just looking at his numbers from last year. I mean, he had a 4.2 war and a 308 batting average. I mean, those are, those are great numbers. And career-wise, he's had a few little ups and downs with injuries, and he missed some significant time. But overall, he's just solid. You know what you're going to get from him. He's, he's going to – He's going to be a guy you can count on to give you solid at-bats and a good batting average and a great glove at third base. See, the glove thing's pretty funny, though, because, I mean... It I is pretty funny. I don't I don't really like defensive metrics, um, but last year he had the third-worst DRS amongst third basemen in the NL. And so, I mean, obviously, defensive run saves is, like, one of those saber metrics a lot of people don't like. Yeah, I don't like I that. Like everyone that. kind of overhypes his defense a little bit. But he's still a good defender overall. I think he's a good defender. I mean, like I said, he, he doesn't. It, it's not always flashy, but I feel like the times when you see him commit an error are very are very few and far between. You know, you generally know that if there's a play that needs to be made, he's going to make it. And you know, I don't need flash and flair at third base. I just want a guy that's not going to screw it up. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. He definitely gives you that. So let's go on to Soto, who came in at 36. Uh, I was. 
I was pretty surprised Soto was that high. But yeah, me too. Me too. Especially when, when Acuna was right there. Um, I just he was nineteen, didn't play the entire season, had a really good year. Terrible defender. Yeah, I mean, really, not, and he's learning the position, and, and so I, you give him some slack. But yeah, come on. Yeah, I I was very surprised. Um, I thought he would kind of be closer to like fifty or so, or kind of closer where Trey was. But Trey's also kind of underrated. But uh, future should be very bright with Soto. Yeah, I'm excited to watch him this year and see what he does this yeah. whole season. Yeah, so I was very surprised he was this high. They did, granted, they said the top 100 right now. So if you just basically go off of last season, it's probably right um, as far as like being number 36. I have an unpopular opinion that I think he has a, a pretty rough sophomore slump. Um, I don't want that to happen yeah, by any means. I want means, you to but... be wrong. Yeah, it, it's just it's hard to expect a now twenty year old to to repeat that. Granted, it was even harder to expect a nineteen year old to do what he did last year. But I I just I think there's going to be some regression, and I think he will figure it out. But I I don't I don't see him. I expect some regression, but I don't think. I mean, even a regression. I'm not talking off his numbers. It's still going to be. I mean, right. I'm not saying he's going to get sent down to Triple A or anything, but. I don't. I, I just want to pump the brakes a little bit. You don't That's think he's going to knock our socks off next year like he did last year. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be like an MVP caliber like player. I just, I, mean, I just want to pump the brakes. Regression's natural in the player's second year in every sport. I mean, look at yep. Trey. Like, and when he first came up, he had like three fifty and like had a slugging like over well over five hundred, and that's not who he is. And then the next year, that came way back down to normal, and I think we're going to see that with Soda also because. We've now had an entire season for the league to look over tape and realize how to pitch them, realize his weaknesses, and the league's going to counter-adjust to what Soto did last year. So we're going to see more of a average what he is actually going to be this season. I think it's also going to depend on where they put him in the lineup and how many right. kind of pitches he's going to see. If they can pitch around him, they will. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you pitch around him, but – I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, I hope he does well and continues to build on what he's already done, but I, I, I'm just cautiously optimistic yeah. on uh, on him. Fair enough. I okay, agree. that brings us to Trey Turner, who came in at mm-hmm. 80. I was, I was a little surprised at that. I, I mean, I like Trey. I think Trey's a really good player. I mean, he led shortstops in war on baseball reference and fan graphs. I'm not a big fan of war. But, I mean, he led on two different websites, and he kind of had a down year offensively, but 84th was pretty shocking. Yeah, me. and 271 isn't a great batting average, but for a down year, that, that's, not too, that's not too shabby. Yeah, and, I mean, a shortstop is a premium position, too. You don't – I mean, granted, we're, like, in this golden age of shortstops where we have a ton of just amazing shortstops on several different teams. But, historically, you've struggled to find a consistently good shortstop that can have a career there. Um, so yeah, I, I was surprised that he was this low, but I think like Ryan said, he's underrated. I don't think he's, um, in the same breath as those top tier, or maybe even that second tier of shortstops. Um, but he definitely deserves to be 84 and probably even higher. And I think he has a really good year this year. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him this year. He had 43 stolen bases last year, which is just absurd. 
Yeah, I, and I don't think that's his ceiling. Well, it's not a yeah. ceiling by any means, but I, I, I think it's going to be higher this year. I think they're just going to. I do too. Lose. I mean, if you get if he gets on first, he's already on third. So I mean, right, that basically, kind of, that kind of being in the pitcher's heads is so valuable because you're they can't focus on the at bat. Yeah. And he had a right. 344 on base percentage. So while his average wasn't that high, I mean, he was on base a lot. And yep, he, well, he's, he's maturing. Scored over 100 runs. 270 was about 27 points higher than the league average, but. I'm just I'm just hoping we can finally get that breakout season to his full potential because I feel like all his numbers aren't what he's fully capable of. Yeah, yeah he hasn't put like it all he's together. Not quite reached the quite reached the ceiling. Yeah, like yeah. he can he's shown he can hit for power. He's shown that he can get on and he's a threat on the bases. I just want to see that consistently over a season because like last year he was really hot and then he had a streak where he went like one for thirty and no one was talking about that. So I just want to see yeah. him. What I hated was that hit by, it was a hit by pitch, right? That he got hurt on. He was on fire and just doing so well. Was that last year or the year before? And then uh, the, injury, the year before. Yeah, yeah he got hit on the hand, right? Yeah, it always the feels Cubs. like that. Like something he gets hot and things are going well, and then something happens, and you know it doesn't yeah. quite get it. It doesn't quite. You don't get quite to see his potential. So I'm hoping this is the year. He definitely has those stretches too, and I think now that Eaton's healthy. And hypothetically, you have Eaton and then Turner hitting second. That's just going to benefit Turner so much. And we're really going to see that that breakout we've been waiting for. Yes, I hope so. Okay, let's take some Twitter questions. Uh, Okay, let's start out. We had two from at Tudweiser on Twitter. Um, First one is thoughts on Kyler playing football and how Tebow went back to baseball. So I have always been a a Tim Tebow supporter. I just love the guy. (laughs) Uh, I'm, that doesn't speak to his talents on the football field or the baseball diamond, but I've always been a supporter. Um, and then obviously Kyler Murray has recently decided to pursue football as opposed to baseball. Um, I think a lot of that is due to just his ability to make more um, in right. playing football, like in the short term. Cause I think the top 34 picks in the NFL draft will make more guaranteed money than he was guaranteed at the, the seventh or ninth spot, wherever the, the A's took him. So I think that's more of a, a monetary decision than him like thinking about his career or anything. Um, I, I just, I, you, I mean, there's, this is a national debate. You've seen Deion Sanders chime in on it, and he said he would have just played baseball if he could go back and do it again, which I think is probably the right choice. Um, just as far as career length and uh, and obviously all the the CTE issues, um, <laughs> working brain at fifty. Yeah, yeah, th- that'd be nice to have. Um, but the ability to I, walk and remember your kids when you're fifty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I also can't blame him. I mean, he he wants that payday. He wants to cash in now while he's still able. I mean, there and honestly, there's no guarantee that he makes it with the A's. Um, I mean, Grant, I think that's a, a perfect situation for him to break through considering of their track record of uh, bringing guys up. But, I mean, I can't blame him because yeah. football, it, it's that instant payout and he, he wants that money. So yeah. it, it sucks for the sport of baseball, but, I mean, that that's just the way the CBA is. And Yeah, and I think it, it's I mean, a lot about how you come up. From the you know baseball, it's it's a process. Just because you got drafted high doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be in the big leagues anytime soon or ever. Where in football, you know, if you're a high a high draft pick quarterback, you're going to be on the field that first yep. year, and and you know you've got the opportunity to to get 
famous and rich and all of those things immediately where, you know, it takes a lot of patience to come up through the minor leagues in baseball. Even the guys yeah. who come up fast, it still takes a hell of a lot longer than it does in football. Yeah, and with Tebow, it, it's a little bit different because it was just so unorthodox. Like, granted, Kyler is pretty unorthodox too, but you have kind of guys to to model him after, like Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield. But Tebow was just so unorthodox. It wasn't that he couldn't play football. It was just he no one really gave him a shot, yeah. and he didn't really he didn't have really a home. Well, right, according so, to Bill Belichick he had no future football need to pick up something else. So he listened to him. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, Although I don't get the I, hate I, for Tim Tebow. I really don't understand why everybody hates the guy. Like, sure, yeah. he can work out in football, but I, he's yeah. like a good dude, and I don't know yeah. why. I, I seriously don't get why everybody hates him. I love the guy. I, I think it's just – it's like it's almost become popular to hate on him. But, I mean, I, but that being said, I don't expect too much from him on the baseball diamond. I think the Mets have – to their credit, tried to skip their rebuild that they probably need to still have anyways. Um, so I don't think there's that. Do you think we'll ever see him in a Mets form. uniform on, in, in the regular season? And I was going to say spring training. Yeah. Like I, I, th- I thought last year they might have just because they were so bad. I was but thinking the this September year, call-ups, they might bring them up. But... Yeah. Who knows? I mean, if they're out of it, come august yeah they might just think it's worth their while to to sell some tickets and yeah, bring bring them up sell out the tickets for sure yeah but I, I don't think he's ever gonna make it to the majors as like a, a lasting player unfortunately all right so what jersey this is also from tudweiser here what jersey is the safest to buy if bryce doesn't resign <clears throat> it's all about longevity um, yep you just gotta think of, you know so there's going to be here for a while. Trey's going to be here for a while. Corwin's going to be mm-hmm. here a while. Sure, there's the even more less. Yeah, I mean he's you know if you want to be he's going to be the basic like Bryce jersey, which I have like five of, so I can't really say anything. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to, you know, you want to get someone that's going to be here a while, so you're not constantly spending two hundred dollars, but get the hipster pick, go Robles. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And I, have I, it. This, the question is the safest. I don't think that's the safest. Yeah, I mean. If anything, you just follow the money, which would lead you to our starting pitchers. So Scherzer, Strasburg, and now Corbin. Um, All those guys are going to be here for a good long time. Although Strasburg has an opt out after after this season, although I can't. Yeah, they they he. I don't know who asked him about it, but he just talked about it recently. And I mean, all signs indicate that he's going to opt in to, I don't know if he has another opt out after this one, but he's going to opt into his deal or the remainder of a deal, his deal, however it works out. Unfortunately. Um, Oh, shut come on. your face. Wow. Shot fired. Hate you. I hate you. Um, but yeah, you just you just follow the money if you're buying a jersey. So I've got one of the starting home, pitchers. I've had it for years, so that's I'm I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to wear it. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the other option is just to get a safe player who like even if they weren't on the team anymore, like you could still uh wear their jersey proudly and that would be like a Zim right. or a Rendon. Um, I don't someone think Zimmerman like will be here too much longer, but you'll never. Thirty years from now, you could wear a Ryan Zimmerman jersey to a last yeah. game, and nobody would look at you askance. Yeah, I, I don't know how this. I think Ryan and I are on the same page with this. I don't know how for the rest of Twitter and our listeners it would go, but I hope Zim isn't around next year. I think he's just retweet. 
it, it's just it's the same story over and over. Uh, oh, Zim's it's healthy so this year. It's so hard to say that. They're, yeah, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Involved, yeah. I mean, but it's like, oh, old, Zim's healthy but, this year. Oh. No, he's not. He's he's never healthy. The dude's never been healthy like in his life. I mean, you could tell me you that. Could and I'd very believe well you. be right, but I'm not willing to admit it yet. So I I, I just think it, it'd be a mistake to to commit a lot of money to him again i think he's holding us back yeah i don't think if they if they give him another contract i think it needs to be a very reasonable one and say, look we love you we want you here for your whole career but you know right. we can't pay you like a you know can't pay you like a guy that you're only ever able to be for a month or so out of every season. exactly and plus in his contract he has that he moves into the front office whenever he retires so it's not like he's going to be gone or on a different team he will be a part of the organization Oh, good. That's good to hear. Because I do love Ryan Zimmerman, but it's hard to think about paying him again. <laughs> yeah. All right. The next one is from at Dom and Thunder, our buddy Dom from the DMV Sports Network. He has a bang, oh. Mary kill. Russell, Nightingale, uh, and Bowden. We just had a hot stove. Mike Stockis is off the board. He's returned to the Brewers. Sorry, just had to break that news. Oh, you heard it here excellent. first. Oh, wow. Actually, Breaking news. Did they say what the deal was? <laughs> uh, just a one-year contract. Okay. Did they uh, give the value? Uh, not yet. It's pending physical. Ken Rosenthal just dropped the bomb 29 seconds ago, and you're hearing it now live. <laughs> All right. Welcome Except everybody. you're not, because you're not going to hear this till tomorrow. But that's cool. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks for ruining it. Um, no, if I had to guess, it it would be similar to like what he got last year, or similar to like a qualifying offer. I think that's what the Brewers are trying to do. Um, they're going to be but, they're going to be an interesting team to watch this year. Yeah, I, I think it's a great move for them. I mean. Moose def- definitely still has value. So, I mean, he, he was another one who really deserved a job. And, I mean, one-year deal. I mean, we know he Nobody deserves – long- again this time next year. Yeah. Right. We know he deserves a longer deal. He deserved one last year, and he, he deserves money. But, I mean, this is just the way the market is. All right. So, what do we got? Russell, Nightingale, and Bowden. Brian, you, <laughs> Brian, you want to take this one? Yeah. I mean – um, we're just picking between three terrible people here. <laughs> kind of just like closing your eyes. So you're like 30 shots straight at the bar and just like, screw it. Let's see what happens. Um, just obviously the obvious kill Bob Nightingale. Dude's the worst. Yeah. Agreed. Just wrong Agreed. always about everything. Agreed. That, that, that's the obvious one. I mean, you, you kill Bob Nightingale. Um, I think you have to marry Russell just because yeah. I, I think he is trying to just get it right. He's not trying to mislead us. I think so, um, too. But when it comes to Redskins stuff, I feel like he's got a much more inside track than on the baseball stuff. I don't know who his source is with the Nats, but I, I feel like I trust his uh, I, I trust his Redskins insider stuff a lot more than the Nats coverage. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think he is trying to get it right. It's just, I mean, you could throw a dart at a dartboard and you could just be as close to being right as anyone else and that leaves Bowden. <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna take a cheap shot and i am going to kill two people here damn it i was just, <laughs> i was just gonna say that i was uh, just that is not how the game that. is played <laughs> that's how i'm playing this game uh, oh we're man the dude every month says the same thing but just inserts a new team he was like um, I would be shocked if Bryce doesn't end up with, back with the Nats. They're the favorite. And then right. like, I'd be like, shocked if go. it's not the Dodgers. I'd be shocked if it's not the Phillies. Yeah. I'd be shocked if it's not, yeah. Uh, they're, they're on the 20-yard line. <laughs> I know. Rounding third, there's always all the analogies. analogies. Yeah. 
Okay, one more here. The Nats fanatic says, what players will be all-stars for the Nats this season? This is a good question. Um, And I think, I mean, assuming Machado and Bryce and everyone else signs, we can actually do our season predictions and kind of get a good picture of how the season might play out. Um, But as far as who we have now, I think, I mean, Strauss, you have to assume he's healthy, but assuming he's healthy, I think the top three pitchers are all stars. I, oh. I just don't. I, I, yeah, I, I don't see I how, how they're not selected, but I think they might all have seasons worthy. I, I'm, I'm going bold. I, I think they all do. Um, I do not think Rendon does. He might. He probably will deserve it, but I, I don't think he will. Um, if Bryce resigns, Bryce will be an all star. Um, and that maybe do little. Um, but I, I think it's it's going to be a pitcher-heavy all-star selection. All right. I would add Turner to that list. I think uh, if he's got a healthy season, we see the breakout season we're all hoping to get from him. He's going he's gonna to be tearing it up on the bases, and that's fun stuff. That's things that fans like to see. So, I, you know, like you said, it's a popularity contest. I think we'll see Turner in there maybe. Um, Bryce, if he resigns, or whether he does or not, I think he's going to feel like he has a lot to prove this year after the long free agency. So I think he's going to be an all-star wherever he is. And uh, Scherzer, and I'll go Corbin and maybe Doolittle. Yeah. I mean, it is a popularity contest. And, I mean, as much as I am willing to throw cheap shots out at most Nats fans, um, this one is just being very serious that they just don't do a good job of, like, backing up their guys. So when it's it comes to that tiny fan base, if you look at those maps of who roots for which yeah, teams, I mean, it's a tiny fan base. Around they, they still don't, regardless, they still don't doing a good job, uh, don't do a good job of backing up their guys. So that's why you don't see Rendon ever win that final vote. Um, and I think Rendon is probably going to be in the final vote again this year. And he probably will come in fourth or fifth again this year, even though he should just be like a flat all-star without any right, it final even, vote. Yeah, it should. And although the good news is I don't think he cares. No, no. He, yeah, that that doesn't mean anything to him, thankfully, but All right. Know. So, where's our last one here? At pork chop pork underscore chop 47 says if Bryce doesn't resign, who is the most important player on the Nats? So, I think the popular answer is Anthony Rendon. Um, and I think that that's a good answer, but just from age I just, I don't know. I mean, anything could happen. Age 30 is just like anything could happen in baseball and in most sports. I think the answer is probably Robles or Soto because um, you just think to the future. Because if they don't pan out, then we're talking about do the Nats become sellers and sell off their pieces and try to rebuild. So I, I think it's it's really on them if Bryce doesn't resign to – keep the ship afloat and like keep the faith that we're still a competitor and a world series caliber team. I think that if Bryce doesn't resign that they're going to have to ride their pitching a lot more than ever. Um, I think the lineup would be pretty average. So I'm going to say Strauss. I think they're going to need a finally full healthy season from him because if he's healthy and he's on, then the rotation is going to be dominant and that will carry them and make up for any, little weaknesses they may have. So I'm going to go Strauss being the most important guy. 
Uh, yeah, Love Strauss it. was almost my pick, but I'm going to go Soto because if Bryce is not here, I feel like it, you. we've talked before about how you need a guy. I think we talked on Twitter. You need a guy everybody's afraid of in the lineup. And if Soto can be what he was last year, then he can replace that big bat in the lineup. You know, he can he can be a guy that that other people have to account for when right. they're when they're when they're setting up who, who's going to pitch this game and how are we going to, how are we going to play this and what are we going to do? And you need that in your lineup, having a bunch of, you know, mediocre to good players is fine, but you've got to have at least one scary player. And I think if Bryce isn't here to be that guy, we need somebody else to be that guy. And I think Soto is the one who will have yeah, to I fill mean, that role. Yeah. When it comes down to it, we really need everyone to step up if Bryce isn't here. So everyone's going to have a increased role when, uh, you go on without Bryce. And let's hope that's not the case. And this time next week, we'll all be celebrating Bryce Harper being a national again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. So that's going to do it for us. I hope you guys all enjoyed the show. Um, if you did, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Um, we are uh, really excited about this new, this new podcast and would really love to get out, reach more people. Um, you can find me again. I'm Amanda white on Twitter, a white seven, eight, seven, seven. And you guys and then, give your handles again there. Yeah, you can give us a follow at DC Natchak. Uh, we may follow you back, depends. Uh, <laughs> out. But uh, yeah, so you have that to look forward to, maybe. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> while you're at it, go follow at Half Street High Heat. Um, that's where you'll get a lot of the podcast related news and notes and polls and whatnot. And uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and uh, tell your friends about the, the show. And uh, yeah. All right. And don't forget also to check out dmvsportsnetwork.com. You can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at dmv underscore sn. Um, they're always looking for more writers. So if you're interested in doing that, you can reach out to them via Twitter, um, direct message, or the website, or you can shoot them an email at dmvsportsnetwork at outlook.com. Um, thanks for listening. We will talk again next week. And go Nats. See you guys. Later. Give me the bridge now. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.